Hello and welcome to Harold Hay. It's Corey Vaughn with Adam Samaha. And uh, we're talking about the episode Ransom today on Hey Arnold. Uh, it's written by Jonathan Greenberg and it's directed by Steve Saki. Um, oh, we haven't said this recently. Uh, it's on Hulu Plus. Um, yes, that's the way you could watch it. Um, you could also find it probably on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, you can download it. Um, but it, it's streaming on Hulu Plus. Yeah. Um, this this episode, when you guys watch it, if you do, you'll be like, I don't know. This is like about, it's just like an annoying little sibling. That's the point, first of all. Or a neo-noir right. spin. But it actually, this was like a really interesting episode when we jumped into it. We talked a lot about... Um, uh, uh, like uh, representation, uh, modern modernist art, um, postmodernism, postmodernist well. art as well. Yeah, <laughs> post post. No, no, we did just one post, single post. Um, so yeah, we hope you we hope you like it. Um, so it's about sibling rivalry, right? It's neo noir, and it's so much more. So much more. I can't wait for you guys to listen to it, and I also can't wait for you to tell us what you think about it. Uh, we don't. Okay, look. We don't make money doing this. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but you know what we do make? We make money via compliments. I was going to say, where are you going with this? Because we, <laughs> yeah. um, we need to be affirmed. So send us or, emails. Or defirmed? Would yeah, that, defirmed. We don't, yeah, argue with us. Either send way, us. we don't care. Yeah. S- please email us at hey.harrenoldhey at gmail.com. And if you, any of you are nearby any sort of Apple product, um, Buzz Marketing. Uh, Smash it. Smash it and then buy a new phone because that's what they want. Uh, no, um, please rate and review our podcast on iTunes. Um, that's... If you have an Android, do it still as well. Yeah, of course. Yeah, um, we want those. We want all of them. But please rate and review. Uh, it just it it if we ever want to make money on this someday, yeah. um, we have to prove that people listen. <laughs> even if you have a burner phone from Cricket, do it on there. Yeah, yeah. Rate and review. Or like even if you even if you um, burn it onto a CD. Um, <laughs> Burn it on another CD and give it to your friend um, and say, hey, listen to this great um, CD cast. Uh, CD cast. Anyway. Um, okay. Well. Yeah, that was. <laughs> please. We, we're just. Be- I mean, we're always groveling for, just begging. for uh, uh, affirmation. Uh, but yeah, we really, we really hope you like this episode. Uh, sorry that we were gone last week. Um, I was driving through Northern California, oh, hanging out with you. Uh, hanging out at a firefighter wedding. A lot of bros. I will nice. be honest. Um, but, uh, the bride and groom were just gorgeous. Shout out to John and Alyssa. Yeah. You better rate and review John and Alyssa. Yeah. That's, or that's, else that shout out was for nothing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Firefighting forever. <laughs> All right. We'll let you guys go. Enjoy and the episode. Enjoy the episode. Bye bye. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for... <laughs> a young Timberly, who is Gerald's little, little sister, probably five, six years old. Uh, she's watching uh, a show starring a crocodile or alligator named Wally. A little bit like a uh, little knock on Barney and capitalism. Uh, but she, uh, when she's watching it, she goes to try to hang out with her brother Gerald, who is playing a knockoff of Clue with the other guys, including Arnold. And um, she sees them playing this... Uh, you know, mystery game and mystery board game. And she is all in. She's ready to play. 
And uh, Gerald says, no, your little sister does, does the usual bit of uh, older brother, younger sister. Um, she runs off and, you know, in tears, you're mean. Uh, and Gerald rolls his eyes and rolls the dice. Um, but then they hear a cry from Timberly. Her, her alligator is stolen. Uh, Wally. Um, it's a little stuffed alligator that she left on the windowsill. And so, um, her, Arnold and Gerald, uh, for the rest of the episode, um, basically are trying to solve the mystery. Who took this, uh, this alligator, which, uh, includes a, includes a, um, a ransom note uh, that's done like the old style ransom notes with magazine clippings. And, uh, that, that wins Arnold and Gerald over. They decide, okay, we're going to, we're going to help you find, find this thing. And so they kind of travel around the city talking with different, uh, characters. Some of them, some of whom are new, even there's a kid named chocolate boy who is basically a stand in for, uh, you know, some sort of crack cocaine addict, possibly. Uh, uh, they, they talk with Harold, they talk with Curly, who is his usual crazy self, and they all um, point to several different things, but at the end, they still don't know who took this uh, who took this alligator. Uh, so they decide, okay, they're going to leave the ransom, which is a bag of candy, um, in the tree to see who it is. So Gerald and Arnold um, are, are waiting to see who, who took this, who took this animal and this stuffed animal. And they find out it's actually Timberly. Uh, she's dressed up as a, as a fairy princess. Uh, tries to take the take the candy. They chase her down, and uh, the final moments are her breaking down in tears, saying, "I just wanted to play with you." And um, Gerald's pissed off. You know, he says, "You took us through all these who you know made us jump through all these hoops to find this thing that you took yourself." Um, but when he sees the tear, her tears, he realizes there's some sort of compassion there. And Arnold kind of nudges him and they, it, it's funny cause they, they like make up, but it ends kind of where it began, which is them just annoying each other, which is, it ends on a very normal sibling note. Um, so I think my, the two basic things that I saw in this episode, one is obviously the plot, which I think we can talk about a lot, but, uh, the other thing is this is just a nice like neo-noir story uh, that hit a lot of tropes like looking for clues, um, uh, interrogating these different people, kind of the way that that the um, that when they're in- interrogating and when they're chasing around these different characters, they fall into the same tropes as a lot of those old movies. So I, I don't know. I think there's a lot to talk about how that matches with the content. And I don't know what that is yet, but um, I don't know. What do you think? Um, I don't know. I feel like in sort of a neo-noir thing, they co- they cover all their bases. Yeah. And all yeah. the characters you would want to run into in that sort of scenario. Um, the so, only thing they didn't do is like have someone like boxing groceries or like uh, uh, fixing a car, which is like every Law & Order episode is like, I felt like um, Harold eating the sandwich was that w- was that moment of like, hey, like I like I just do my regular thing. Like it yeah. felt very... Um, like every, uh, what's it called? I want to show it procedurals. It just felt like a procedural drama. I know. So on its face, I think that's like an entertaining thing to carry you through. And yeah. I think the dynamic between, um, Harold or Gerald, like always, always yeah. Gerald and his sister is really good. And I think that there's, it's pretty dynamic and it's fairly deep. Yeah. And I think the, um, are you want to go into that now? Well, okay. yeah, yeah. I think it's twofold. And, um, we're going to dive into that more, but the twofold on one level, it's, um, it's about, it, 
the easy thing that anyone can relate to is the relationship between an older sibling and a younger, younger sibling. And that's throughout the whole episode, but especially at the beginning and the end, you really see that fulfilled, um, that role fulfilled. But then there's also alongside of that, um, her seeing him play act life in a certain way and her creating that for herself um, in a very active way, um, which I think we can talk about a lot, but, and I might want to clarify that more, but I think what we can start with is the scene that says both of those things at the same time, which really is just the last scene, the scene at the end, yeah. which is when, when Gerald uh, and Arnold catch uh, Timberly in the act. Stop right there! Back off! I've got a magic wand! Timberly? Presto! You're both wrong! Timberly, give me that wand! No, get away! Be gone! I can't believe it! You're the kidnapper? Frog! 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 Don't do that! You made us go through all this worrying, running around, staying up late, and you took it yourself? How could you do something like this? I don't know. Oh no, don't start crying now. Gerald. <laughs> That's okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to play detective with you guys. Well, I guess you got what you wanted. Tell you what, next time we play a game like that, you can be on my team. Really? Sure. Sorry I lied. I understand. Now let's get your bike and go home. There's no candy in here. You are gonna trick me. <laughs> Didn't think about that, huh? I can't believe you. <laughs> You're mean. I'm not talking to me. Big brothers are a real pain. I can't stand little sisters. Yeah, that that scene has an easy um, an easy read, which is Gerald seeing his relationship with Timberly is more important and. There's no, there's nothing he's expecting when he forgives her at the end. It's just kind of the good brother move. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like we could talk a, a lot, a lot, a lot about like, because because we both, you have a younger sibling. Yeah, I have a younger, younger sibling. So there's yeah. a lot we could talk about. Um, and I don't know. Do we want to talk about the more well, like. Let's do the on the nose thing first, I think. Okay. And then we'll dive deeper. From so there. the on the nose is the sibling stuff. Yes. Yeah. Sibling stuff. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. I was say is uh, the interesting thing is I think he realized in that moment, and I think a lot of siblings go through this, where like you think that you're just going through the motions and like doing your normal thing and hanging out with your friends, but these things carry like a much larger weight with your younger siblings, especially, mm-hmm. and that they're reading into situations in a way that you are not really expecting, and that there's some sort of role that you're playing that is greater than sort of mm. what you think that initially is. I think he feels the weight in that moment and understands that it's not a burden going forward, but that he has like a role to play. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that for the whole episode, he's viewing it as like a chore, like, Oh, we got a burden, like yeah. a burden to like find this thing. Yeah. And for her, because it was all made up um, for her, she was getting exactly what she wanted, which wasn't the, the animal back. It was, to be to, included. Yeah, to spend time with him in an active way. And I don't even mean active, like physically active, but like... The camaraderie that's built in like yeah. having like a shared like goal. Yeah, there's a there's a line when she's riding her bike. She's, she just says, wow, being a detective is fun. And that's just a very like innocent, sweet way of saying like, I'm loving being with my brother and his friend totally. right now. And, and <clears throat> I think 
a sort of like an interesting and fun little twist in this is that he, one of the lines that he says to her is like, you're too young. You can't play a game like this. Uh-huh. And then what's amazing is she ends up being the mastermind of a real life version of this thing. Like exactly. They're just passively playing. Yeah. She's like the, 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 Oh, that's really you know good. I mean? She's the one that's like leading the entire thing. Yeah. And let's put a, like, I think we can even connect that to the deeper stuff later. Totally. That's really, that's really good. She, she, yeah, because she's basically fulfilling her own desires um, totally. kind of without him. Uh, but yeah, let, let's jump into that more later. Um, I, I think that they write and the actor who's performing her and then the way they write her is the perfect younger sibling. Like when she says, you're mean, like, <laughs> like my sister and I still say that to each other as a joke, but that's because we used to say it to each other for real in yeah. that tone. Like that was a real thing. And it's, it's simple and meaningful at the same time. It is. And it's um, like when you're an older sibling, you don't, I mean, I was such a, there was like probably a period of three or four years where I was such a jerk. I was, Hi, Aaron. What's Most up? Most of us are horrible like, we're all, for a long time. For, like an old, well, I mean, I'm still a jerk, but <laughs> specifically my sister and I were like, like she just, all yeah. she wanted to do was spend time with me. Totally. And I consistently said, no, thank you. Yeah. That her, uh, she would always want to play Monopoly with me. And I would say, no, thank you. Yeah. And I would do the same thing, but now my sister works for a tech company and makes a lot of money. <laughs> hey, we're working for a tech company. It's called Hey Arnold oh, Hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're welcome. The podcast money. Big pockets, my baby. Uh, yeah, like I don't know. Siblings are the worst, right? Am I yeah, right? But they're great. That according to this episode, we've learned that they're horrible and they great simultaneously. Well, and now my sister's one of my best friends, and that's only it after it all comes she, back around. It all comes back around. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, we also, I mean, we could keep telling embarrassing stories about our siblings. <laughs> that could be. I already did the self-deprecating one. Your friends, your sister. So I think we got it all covered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, We're actually in your sister's studio right now using that space, which is We great. are. If only you guys could see it. It's surrounded with art and uh, outdoorsy things. But Aaron, if you're listening to this, get some soundproofing around this air conditioning van. Oh, it's really boy. blowing this whole thing. Yeah, she's paying rent to this place. <laughs> we, she can do whatever the hell she wants. Oh, man. Um, yeah, look, everyone, look at my sister's stuff. It's it, Just Google... Sorry to buzz, uh, buzz market. Google is a large company that... Um, a search engine that has become a conglomerate tech company. Um, anyway, Google my sister, Erin Vaughn Illustration, and you'll find I feel find like I'm being some... sold something and I don't like it. It's independent <laughs> local art. I'm just kidding. Local <laughs> art. Erin Vaughn Illustration. Google it. Buy her stuff. Bye. You get 10% of everything she sells. That's true. She did agree There's a click-through link in the banner. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you think about the knock on Barney and ca- the, the capitalism uh, the of of uh, like children's toys. I don't know if you want to <laughs> if you want to go into the yes. ethics of advertising. Yes. <laughs> yes, I really do. But I love how they, like there's like a really well researched phenomenal like criticism of advertising that they basically summarize in like a sing song melody. <laughs> did you watch Barney as a kid? Not. I mean, I, it's I'm pretty sure terrible. I did. I remember. It's, it, it was. It was. The thing is, there's there's um. Something like Mr. Rogers, which who, who sold very little. Um, he sold very little product. Like I don't besides know besides speaking and moving very slowly, which I really appreciate. What I mean is he th- there was no toys that yeah like very little, maybe a few, but not nearly as much as Barney, which was the other side. Which which Barney is like he had the best sweaters in the game though. Barney? Which, no. <laughs> Mr. Oh, Rogers. Mr. Rogers. Yes. Um, and then you have like Sesame Street, which like if I had kids, I would buy them Sesame Street stuff all the time. Yeah. But there's something about Barney that feels like exactly what they were saying, which I don't remember the line. It's it's 
because it starts out innocent like well not really though because he says Barney loves you and he loves it when you buy his toys which is the most manipulative thing I've <laughs> ever heard in my life like you're only worth it to me if you like pay for my pension that's basically yeah. what he's saying well like it, it, I just I don't know Mon- the mon- monetizing like a children's play th- like a thing like that and basically monetizing a child's imagination it's just sort of a hilarious, very funny yeah, thing to do. Yeah. And it makes sense. It's the world we live in. But and it, it evolves. The song evolves to um, Wally. Wait. He loves it. What is it? Something about like salad mixers. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, like Pillows see? and branded sheets and yeah, salad mixers. Yeah. Like literally that's everything you could put some logo yeah, on. But, but like it, it evolves to things that kids don't care about, like salad mixers. Well, okay. And do you like, remember being sold binders and that being a cool thing, like Trapper Keepers? Oh, they yeah. They could, when you were a kid, sell you literally shit. Like awful, yeah, yeah. boring Something things. that normally costs one ninety nine, all yeah. of a sudden costs four ninety nine, And that aren't yeah. cool. And then they yeah. just... Yeah. Yeah. I had one that I had for years. It was um, of... Uh, uh, Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, except they were like hip hopped out. Ah, I know wearing, what you're talking about. Yeah, it was like, well, oh yeah, Looney Tunes had this yeah. like late '90s, early 2000s, like I guess ghetto fab, like <laughs> like baggy well, like shirts. Space Jams, but like Space Jam was like a thing where they were doing that. It was that like post Space Jam, yeah. yeah, right. It was like, oh, this basketball thing is working. Let's yeah. let's take it to the next let's level. Update this yeah. cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I had that thing for years. I had it until college, and then it was, like, falling apart, so I threw it away. But it was very cool. <laughs> anyway, Looney Tunes. Um, yeah, it, it that song is so close to the I Love You song. Like, it's the same yeah. kind of, oh, gosh. And I like that the, the guy singing it, maybe we'll... Maybe he we'll, sounds like he doesn't care. Yeah, let's just play it. No, we'll, we'll play at the end. Okay. Instead yeah, of Jazz the, the Week, yeah, yeah, we'll play that. Because it's... Yeah, it's it's it, worth listening. It's to. really funny and depressing, yeah. and I like when you when you listen to it, which will be at the end. But the slowness, how the how the guy's voice is just behind the music, makes it sound depressing. Like he's actually yeah. depressed um, being yeah. in that costume. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So, oh, I don't know whether I want to talk about Chocolate Boy first or dive deep. Let's dive deeper into that scene, and then if we have time, we can talk about Chocolate Boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that scene that we played earlier. Um, uh, where she's mentioning both, like her how she just wanted to spend time with him, yeah. But Gerald's calling out that, like, oh, you like set all basically saying you set all this up, um, and I. So something I noticed in one of the earlier scenes, um, she walks in to see them playing a variation of Clue, yeah. which in, in, involves strangling and <laughs> floss, which is pretty funny. Um, uh, She's seeing her brother and his friends play acting this like highly fictionalized uh, board game mystery. Like, uh, 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 like they're they're not reading a mystery; they're like taking part in it. But it's highly fictionalized. It's like kind of segregated to the kitchen table, and um, like no one else can play but the people who are playing. And so she sees this like action, and Gerald saying like, "You can't play this because you don't understand it." So her move is that to then like make One that pick. fiction real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's like, fine, I'll make this <laughs> this fictionalized mystery yeah. into a real thing and drag you into it, which feels like like a postmodern kind of move, I guess. Like um, taking. I wonder if she knew that at the time. No, I don't think so. <laughs> well, um, maybe a way to look at it from an artistic standpoint. Well, yeah. So from an artistic, it, yeah. I think the last step of this conversation is you and I saying we're watching fictionalized people 
take a flattened fictionalized thing and yeah. making it real, but it's all like fiction. Jumanji. Right, right. No, no, that's a, <laughs> yeah, no, but yeah. that's a really good example because the whole thing is fiction. Yeah, yeah. But it's about okay. So if we think about representation, and I, you're welcome, art major. Right here. <laughs> um, you just flash the credentials before yeah, you start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so what the the evolution of modernism that eventually led to like a postmodern perspective of the modernist experience when we're talking just about visual art is that at the beginning of modernism that you know artists are saying like oh like i don't have to paint exactly 100% accurate mm-hmm. i can maybe do like uh, uh, uh you know impressionistic yeah. variations or abstract expressions or um expressionism which is more like vibrant and loud and uh, less representational. So you're seeing this representational They're action. playing with the form. They're playing with the form. They're playing with the canvas. Yeah. And so that thing is getting more and more, um, uh, in some ways it's getting less real, but all of a sudden you have someone like Rauschenberg who said, I'm not going to paint a, p- a pillow on a bed. I'm going to build a pillow on a bed and put that bed on the canvas and hang it from the wall. And so all of a sudden there's a real thing, yeah. like a physical thing on the canvas. Yeah. Um, and then eventually that that leads to like, I mean, you have um, like performance art comes out of that. You have uh, uh, um, basically more physical four-dimensional art pieces, whether that's performance or on the canvas or like, you know, someone punching their hand through a canvas or getting shot by a gun. Like all those things are now viewed as art. Um, and she's kind of doing the same thing. She's seeing them look at this flat plane that's a representation of mystery, a representation of um, mystery thriller storytelling, where they're like they're they're taking part in it. They're like acting the they're play acting the symbol of mystery, and she's evolving that into a physical, like active exploration of of mystery. So yeah, like so, and I'm gonna tie this into what she does in the episode, mm-hmm. but it's like you're taking a representation of a thing yes. which is existing naturally in the world more yes. or less. Yes. Right. And then you're creating strictures and structure and, 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 and basically, basically flattening, flattening it, it yes. to a thing. Yes. And then what goes on after that is basically pulling it out of that yes. flattened thing mm-hmm. and allow, allowing it to breathe on its own, which is exactly what she does exactly. in this episode. Yes. Because they're taking an event, which is a murder, essentially a mystery of some kind yeah. there. It's, it's, it becomes a board game, which they're it's, manipulating and playing. It's but a, a represent- very structured yes. form. And it, then it's a representation of totally, a real thing of a real that thing exists. Potentially yes. happen. And then what she does by play acting it essentially is she introduces yes. all of these real life variables. So when she picks up the chocolate candy, she didn't know that they were going to lead her to that chocolate chocolate boy mm. or whatever the kid that's mm. addicted to candy. Whoa, that's because, really good. Yeah, she doesn't know that that guy exists. It's a choose your adventure, which yes. is like an ultimate postmodern kind of. It takes its own yeah. form. Yes. So you take this flattened thing oh, that's and then you bring it back yeah. to life. So just to jump back into the middle where you're saying where she's taking the thing, she's uh, in an existential way, which is kind of more open ended than like. Um, like a fixed thing she's she is creating a representation of a representation of mm-hmm. a real thing so her play acting isn't a representation of a murder her represent her play acting is a representation of that flattened representation of a murder so she's two steps back she's not looking at a, 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 a murder in real life and saying i want to create that she's looking at the some the person who, who made clue said i'm looking at a murder i want to create a board game of that and then she's looking at that board game and saying, I want to create that in real life. So totally. she's so like, 
she's created a thing that has evolved into its 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 own thing completely. It's no longer even really referencing the murder that Clue is referencing. Totally, and her, I think her otherness in this situation, which uh-huh. is not allowed being allowed to participate, create it's like forces her to create this thing that's actually greater than oh definitely because yeah. of her yeah. outsider yeah. status. I I th- and I think. I don't know. I feel I was listening to a thing that was talking about uh, comedy, like different forms of comedy, mm-hmm. and like comedy that speaks to the status quo. It takes often this like sort of absurdist form, and he gave the example of Monty Python. Like, mm. wouldn't it be crazy if this certain situation happened? Mm. And then you go down this tangent. So, say something like, um, "What is the one? It's super annoying. Uh, people love it that Seth guy does it." Uh, oh, like the talking dog. Is in it? Yeah, um, Seth MacFarlane, yes. Family Guy, yeah, like Family that. Guy. So Family Guy is a perfect example of that. Uh, like, a reference. Yes. Or, like, um, wouldn't that be so kooky if? And then this thing happens. Yeah. And then what he was saying it's is a that fla- it's a fake flashback. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what he was saying is that when like minority communities get involved in comedy, oftentimes it's not like wouldn't it be crazy if? It's like isn't it crazy that this happens? So they show the absurdity of real life, uh, and it's a different perspective that typically otherness requires, right? To be able to uh, dive deeper into a thing, which he was his argument was, I forget who this was exactly, but that like it creates the comedy and entertainment with more depth and, and it's more dynamic. And I, it, to me, it reminded me because they're of this. they're tied to it in a real way, in a tangible exactly. way. Exactly, it's, it's not like just have skin in the game. It is it's absurd, real. but it's yeah. not false. It's, it's just not, absurd. Yes. And it's absurd. it's yeah. a different perspective on things we all experience, mm-hmm. but some of us experience it in a different way. And a way to like internalize it and and rationalize it is to point out the absurdity, right? Yeah. And pain and different things can be expressed through that. Um, and I think that's interesting because it's you have, I guess, in a way, you have these four boys who are older playing mm-hmm. this game, and they're very okay with the status quo and while she would love to play the game with them Mm. and participate in the status quo Mm -hmm. she's not allowed to so then it forces her to create this other thing Mm. that's very different and ends up taking a life of its own and i think that happens in culture all the time oh wow that's really good like you're not allowed so then you have to do this other thing but then this other thing because Mm. it's more real because of sort of you're having to think outside of the box from the initial get-go forces you to do that throughout the other parts of the process and it takes you to a different place than before. Does that make sense? Yes. And, and we see that in this because, because by the end, especially when you rewatch it, everything that she takes them through isn't, it's real, but it isn't real. It's not like, it's not going to bring them any closer to finding um, that toy. But it brings um, them closer together as people. De- definitely, yeah. yeah. So it's a real thing that's happening. It's just yeah. not what they thought it was, and um, and it, it allowed them to like see these like three ex- have these three experiences with these three characters that they totally. wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. Um, but I yeah I really like that she, when she makes it her own, she makes it open ended. Totally. Um, but like and it gives the, a depth. Yeah, like picking up that chocolate candy. I didn't even think about how that is just her like play acting detective work. Even though she knows exactly, yeah, yeah but it's them building yes. on top of her thing and taking it in directions mm-hmm. she never thought it would go. It's it's like accidental improv in a lot of ways. Totally, yeah. Really, it's really cool, and I, I think we've actually built on because my the original idea was just like, oh, she's like creating a version of her, of of like, and that's like the catalyst for the rest of the conversation. Yes, Does yes. That make sense? It was really, yeah, really good, and it like she saw so. If, if like to condense it back down, she is rejected from. Oh, interesting. Another layer from the art, the art perspective too is when someone is rejected from the status quo of art making. Yeah, they're gonna, 
make it their own. They're going to totally. evolve it into something their own. That's still connect. Someone else might say that's not connected to the stream of art making, yeah. but in fact it is because she saw the the thing that came before and she's creating her own thing. And yeah, inviting, like, inviting the past into it as well, inviting the the elite into the new thing as well. Yeah, they yeah yeah they immediately glob on when it makes sense to them. Yeah, yeah. And there's that initial resentment that often happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So when when with her the older brother saying like I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this, but then another one of his peers goes, "No, you should do this." Yeah. That's often how culture and art and things and music happen. Yeah, yeah. Is it's like this group of people is doing something that's very interesting for whatever reason. Yeah. Right. Some people go, I don't want a part of that. That doesn't sound like the thing I recognize. Yeah. And then there's somebody in that group that goes, no, it's Brad for X reason. You know what I mean? And then the rest of the Mm. groups of people start to follow. Yeah. Yeah. They, they agree with the, like at first they don't agree with the premise that it's, it's appropriate to take that step, but eventually they will. Yeah. And not, not always, but oftentimes. And, and and maybe postmodern is the wrong I, I think they're definitely postmodern elements into this, but this also feels like the modernist evolution of going from like the flat representation to like the more like full experience, which mm-hmm. still that's like the link between modernism and postmodernism. I guess it's okay. You guys just look it up. I'm using big words. Well, did, it's fine. Did you? <laughs> he has a degree, everybody. <laughs> yeah, barely. <laughs> well, did you listen to? Uh, oh, this is gonna get weird. Into another podcast. Sure. Did listen to the Reply All episode that talked about the origins of yes that phrase yes that everybody uses yeah. yep that yep. voguing and that whole thing and the sort of play acting of like queer and yes, LGBTQ yes, yes. communities like being ostracized from this thing mm-hmm. and what they would do is play act yes being a businessman or being these things that quote unquote they weren't allowed to be at the time and it be- oh, took on a life of its own yeah. and then to bring it all back around now you have every other person online mm-hmm. using mm-hmm. the vernacular and the language that came out of that movement that initially was had to be pushed underground and now you have every 13 year old girl saying yes online oh and cat and cat yeah, yeah all that yeah stuff. yeah well so in, in well and throwing shade and all that all the phrasing that everybody likes to use so in some ways uh, timberly is her, her play acting is possibly like a like a queer move of saying I'm rejected from this. I'm going to create a version of it for myself. That is quasi real, real to me, real in this experience, but also is not exactly like the thing I'm pulling. Yeah. I'm like queer as an umbrella term for othered. Yeah. When I say that, like play totally. acting is, is a, is, is another form. term for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, Oh my, I had a train going and it just, Oh, Oh, um, she, She's basically creating the world's first um, murder mystery dinner. Have you, ever been, have you ever been to one of those? No, but I know you're talking you know, about. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, Adam, you're the 50s heartthrob. <laughs> Corey, you're the, you're, you're the, I don't know, whatever. Also, art history heart, PhD. Oh. <laughs> well, well, I wouldn't want to be an art history PhD in the 50s. It's, it's still just like r- racist and like, yeah. Um, I, uh, I guess this is a, like a side comment, but I loved the tropes of neo noir that happened in this. I loved yeah. when they when they introduced. This is the first time you see Chocolate Boy, who becomes a major minor character of this show, um, <laughs> a, a, a repeating character who basically is a, an addict. Like, of some like form, there's yeah. no. I mean, he's, his face is covered in chocolate, and yeah. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I like the way he falls into the the normal like. Patsy's he's like yeah you give me what i want and i'll tell you what you want yeah like him wow what does he say oh my memory's getting a little fuzzy 
Oh man, really good. And then Curly with the ballerina movies, yeah, classic, classic too. Um, and also naming Harold Slim five times yeah. and him finally saying, "You're done." <laughs> it's a, you like, call me Slim yeah. Every time. Yeah, that's good. Really good. Um, well, what what else? What else are you thinking about this? I mean, I don't. We, I, we I checked in, all the boxes. Yeah, we dove in very about. like when you watch this episode, it's a little bit. Um, to be honest, first time I watched it, I was like, man, I don't know. Yeah. Totally. Like, no. And I, I just pulled the neo-noir thing. But then I think, like how I said, that the initial thing we talked about as a catalyst, as soon as you said that, it like opened all these doors in my brain. I was like, whoa, this episode's insane, actually. Yeah. I, and and I think, other than the funniness of the tropes, the the fringe stuff from this of this episode where it's like, oh, this is interesting, there isn't that much. But the, the meat of it, which is where sibling relationship meets like this existential um, representation. Totally. Um, I think those two facts are like deep enough to where, yeah, I feel like we haven't talked a super long time, but it feels like a pretty meaty episode for how little is presented. No. Yeah. It's great. There's a lot of different directions to go with it. I think the bottom line is if you're a sibling, just don't be an asshole. Just be nice to your your brother and sister. uh, I mean, I agree. Like it's good for play. Those moments. True. Those yeah. moments of realization, though, are way more important than, like, I wouldn't, uh, look, I don't have kids, everybody. Single ladies. Um, I don't <laughs> have kids. Send us an this email is, if you're interested in that luscious yeah. voice. <laughs> um, we both have buttery voices, but one of these guys is taken. Ooh. Um, like. <laughs> How do you recover from yeah. that? Oh, boy. <laughs> so if I had, if I had kids right now, um, and they, and, and one didn't want to play with the other, I think I'd be more interested in like talking about the hurt that was happening there over like, you just have to play with them. That's the way it is. Because I think the realization of, Oh, like my younger sibling looks up to me. Like having that realization is you end up with a cop for a kid. You try to be so nice and lovey dovey. They they react. That's true. (laughs) Like I grew up with that heartfelt bullshit and I'm tired of it. Yeah. Yeah. They say what they shouldn't say. We don't have to talk bad about all cops. Just a few. Just a few. Just a only few. good cops is what I always say. No, I never said that till right now. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one though. I only like good cops. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, no smooth jazz of the week because I think we're gonna be playing uh, Wally loves you. Oh, cry of the week. We'll cry start the week. with that. Um. Yeah. Do you have yours? I could go. Yeah, go. Um, I think my cry of the week is probably when. I think the end, the very end, where she gets sort of found out and she starts crying mm-hmm. and there's like that sense of rejection that she feels and that like leap of faith that she took in this whole process mm-hmm. and then his response being very negative initially. Yeah. I think it's pretty sad because, I mean, the story could have ended where he just stayed angry. You know, that wouldn't be very Hey Arnold-like. But in reality, that could have happened that way. Um, so I think, I don't know, I think that was pretty sad. Maybe one, just one or two tears. Yeah. it ends up good. Well, I... They end up in a better place. Well, I would say that Gerald's response to her, at first, the negative evolving to this, like, like him actually seeing her for the first time totally. is very touching. Yeah. But then it's still being allowed to be, like, siblings that kind of hate each other yeah. at, the, at the very, very end. Yeah. That balance of, like, seeing your sibling for the first time mm-hmm. and also nothing's changed. Yeah, bringing the, yeah, um, the rest of it in. That's, that's a good three tiers. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I liked it. Um, well, thanks to Jim Lang and Craig Bartlett for Wally Loves You. Um, just a... Yeah, a good little jingle. Good jingle that's so depressing. 
We want you to get, you know what? This is what I, I'm going to suggest this. The music's going to start playing. And I want you to close your eyes and really meditate on the economy of children's toys. <laughs> um, I want you to think about, uh, yeah, think, yeah, I mean, how can I lead that meditation? Um, if you squint, um, the dinosaur starts to look like Karl's Mar- Karl Marx. Karl's Marx. Carl's, Carl's Jr. Marx. <laughs> Carl's Jr. Marx. The beard uh, and the hair and all. Just go through every children's show in your head as you think of this, as you listen to this song, and and set aside the ones that don't make you feel good, and the ones that did make you feel good, those are the ones you should show your kids. Yeah. Uh, join us next week as we discuss more Hey Arnold. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Wally loves you, all you little girls and boys. Wally loves you, and he loves it when you buy his toys. He loves to see your happy faces, so buy his sheets and pillowcases. Buy his ribbons for your hair, and buy his fuzzy underwear. Buy a Wally salad spinner, eat a Wally TV dinner. Tell your dad to tell your mom to buy a Wally CD ROM. Wally loves you, all your little girls and boys. Wally loves you. Bye bye, kids. See you tomorrow. Bye, Wally. See you tomorrow. Stay tuned. This show just keeps getting better and better.